You're listening to Several Ways to Live, a podcast whose theme seems to change with every episode. My name is Nick. Nick Farr. Car hardware. 35C3 Congress attendee. Proud member of the Chaos Post Postal Workers Union. Wearer of ties. Haver of passports. Annoyer of Florians. And on this podcast, me and my friend, me and my friend, Florian, discuss a variety of different things, Mexican food, international transport, ways that the world is going to end, Bobo being in the wrong seat at the wrong time, showing up several minutes late. We need a microphone for Bobo. Florian. I just just to set the scene, just so that we don't have any dead air here, somebody wearing white unicorn pajamas has just showed up. One of our one of our podcasts most fearless and intrepid tutorers out there, Bobo PK, lovely member of the Pomona assembly. Um. So good. So he can hear. So he has audio in his headphones. Now we just have to I let do. him talk. Oh, yeah. I can hear myself. <laughs> Yay. I'm super sorry for being late. Uh, I was at the Sendezentrum above uh, waiting for you. And then they told me it's uh, one, yeah, one floor down. So here you are. Just, just, <sighs> just blame C3 now. Uh, yeah. Which only just came back up because they, because <laughs> there's this thing called DHCP that sometimes people forget is a thing because just you know what, what does the trope always say it couldn't have been DNS it couldn't have been DNS it was DNS yeah <laughs> okay so we're here we have 40 minutes left so we have to hurry okay no coffee at the this is Starbucks your draft. counter this is your draft it's not a draft this is different but I wanted okay. to, to talk about Mexico again and we actually have an audience hello audience <laughs> I don't know why you're here <laughs> But thanks. And okay, Florian, Florian, we have talked about this. We have talked about this on many occasions. You are always grateful for the audience. What? How? How does Gary always end the podcast? He always says, "Thank you for coming out. We appreciate the fuck out of it." That's what you should be saying, not telling these people that, "Oh, you're idiots for listening to our podcast." <laughs> I have so much to learn. You do. And there was a half Mexican uh, here too, but I don't see okay. him anymore. Oh. So. What? All right, that's how he introduced himself to me. Okay. okay, all right. So I want to talk about Mexico again because we talk about air freight and air cargo all the time and ekibaling. No, and how the belly world ends. Belly aching. Belly aching and how the world ends. That was that was my favorite. And to do that, I asked you and especially Bobo because he does it always um, to give us some. To tell us about the prejudices that you have or know about about Mexico, and then we try to discuss whether those are wrong or not wrong. And I believe that we will have different opinions on some of them. You do remember that my apartment is still in Mexico, <laughs> and that most of my that most of the things that I care about are still in Mexico. And this is a podcast that's going out on the internet. So if we get too if we get too edgy, I might get deported again. 
Well, well, then I've got a good one for you to okay. start with. All right, um, go ahead. It would be, uh, do journalists get shot all the time? Yes, absolutely yes. true. That's like, hands down, Mexico is, if not the most dangerous, definitely one of the top three most dangerous places to be a journalist because there are almost no protections for people doing journalism in Mexico. That's absolutely true. And that anybody who is writing, who is telling the truth, who is out there and doing real investigative work in Mexico, at, at any level, is putting their lives at risk. Because unlike in, in Western democracies, in Europe, for the moment in the United States, journalists don't get killed for writing. They're not, there, there are no death squads out there specifically to disappear journalists in whatever way. Do we, there, the freedom of speech still exists and the rule of law still exists in Europe for the moment. Um, in Mexico, that's not how it is. Mm -hmm. There's no... The, that journalists get killed and they get killed with impunity because they know that there isn't an emphasis on the part of the government to protect journalists. Now, I think that's going to start changing under the new AMLO administration, but... Everything you think things move slowly in Western democracies, they move even more slowly and change, especially change for the better, change for making society better is very slow in Mexico. I have nothing to add. Wow, if they could all only be that easy. <laughs> we maybe we should have cards like red and green and the we, we haven't we, even, we haven't introduced all of our guests except for Bobo. I'm I'm here. I, I we have so we have the troll. I know we have the troll. The troll is to my left. Tatzebrum, welcome. Yes. Hello. Hola. So ¿Qué tal, pendejo? <laughs> oh, yeah, por favor. <laughs> and we have Zeitschlag here, but he doesn't want to talk. And Cheetah's here, and he doesn't want to talk. And... What, what, he, he doesn't... Yannick is here, and he doesn't want to talk. And I, I should have noticed that their headphones were up in the... That their yeah. microphones were up in the air, but their headphones are on. I tried, so. I tried. Okay, you did, you did. Bobo, go ahead. Okay, uh, so yeah, I collected with a few friends of mine because I try to keep my prejudices, that's a complicated prejudices. word, uh, prejudices, um, to keep them low. Um, but one was, uh, Mexico City is dirty. And I mean, okay, I take living in a, in a shared community with uh, other people, I know that dirt um, is not always seen as dirt. Um, Because, you know, the, the kitchen is like running away and stuff and people say, no, it's not dirty. <coughs> How do I put this? An average well, street. Now, well, I'm going well, to take, well, I'm just going to well, jump on this. I'm going to jump on this one real quick. The average street in Berlin, with the exception of having just been cleaned on the morning of January 1, is dirtier than the average street in Mexico. You took away the joke. Almo My okay. joke. Oh, okay. crap. Okay, all right. Yeah. What was the joke? When I joke? moved back to Mannheim, one of the first things I noticed was it's much dirtier here. And there are a lot more drunks hanging around the streets uh, in Mannheim than in Mexico City. Uh, it, it was a joke for four years living there that everyone... So th there's a few things that Mexicans apparently do love to do. And one of them is taking a broom and clean the sidewalk and the street and every day so actually the sidewalks are always clean because everyone's grooming 
Um, it, now, if you consider air pollution, then that's a whole different thing because you want to clean your apartment every second day because otherwise it's going to be uh, very dirty soon. Um, but in general, I would say, yeah, I don't know. You, you see a lot of, unfortunately, out in, when you go on the highways, you see a lot of garbage uh, by, the, uh, by the roads. Uh, you do see that, and there are certainly places in the city where it's very dirty. But, yeah, it's uh, both. I don't know. Yep. I, and that's, that's the thing. I, I, the air, air pollution and air quality outside of the rainy season is definitely a problem. And I think, well, actually, one of the key things that AMLO started running on, and I'm not, an, I'm not a, like, AMLO huge fan. I just think I'm a fan of change. I'm a fan of hope. And uh, I, I think it stands to mention that the new Mexican president began his campaign actually on building refineries and making sure that Mexicans are able to refine their own petroleum and serve their own petroleum. Because what happens right now is Mexicans sell their oil into the Texas oil market, Americans refine it, and then they sell it back to Mexico at the same gas prices that people in the United States play. And ex yeah, that, yes, economics. Ex exactly. <laughs> and, but, but this is also how the rich people of Mexico make more money, because they don't have to invest in new plants that create jobs and that can produce a cleaner burning gas, which is how California and Los Angeles largely resolved their smog problem. The, the air quality in Los Angeles in the 80s and early 90s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s was worse than it is in Mexico right now. Mm -hmm. And it took, the, it took a very coordinated effort to put standards and regulations, which are a good thing, into place to blend a more expensive kind of gasoline and do seasonal blends of gasolines that burn cleaner, that don't create all of that particulate matter, which is what creates smog. Mexico could do the same thing and keep more of their money and build better, higher-paying, union-quality jobs. But the problem is the people with capital in Mexico make more money by just selling the oil, by extracting it as, at the lowest cost possible, selling it to the gringos. And then the gringos who have actually an incredible amount of refining capacity but they over the americans overbuilt the refining capacity which is why it's cheaper for mexicans and for pemex to sell the oil to americans then buy it back and this is what also led to gasolinazo directly this is so because you know the the oil is of the people in mexico that oil is, belongs to everybody that's the theory now it's all been privatized and that Peña Nieto made a big mm -hmm. stink of it all and I stop me if we're spending too much time on this topic no, but it's, it's fine I'm, 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 I'm so glad that you sit next to me and can actually explain things well, where my words fail that actually there's a very good podcast El Petróleo es Nuestro and it's it's in, it's in English mm -hmm. but that's the name of the podcast um, that actually explains the history of oil exploitation in Mexico And so what's always happened is Mexicans have enjoyed very cheap gasoline, and the economy, even more so than in the United States, is predicated on cheap gasoline. That people who might have a house somewhere way out in the suburbs that's smaller than this table, or around the size of this table, or room the size of this table, where we're all sitting, pride themselves on having a car. That's a part of life. That's all part of the problem, that there's not that same emphasis on public transport that you see in New York or that you see in Germany. Um, And that cheap gas was fine because, hey, we got the oil, 
the gas was cheap. Well, then when gas, because refining methods get expensive precisely because you need to spend more time and energy on refining so that we don't have dirty smog problems. In Mexico, they know that they can use the dirty, cheap refineries and refine it on the cheap, and then that's why we have this horrible smog problem. The only way to solve it is, I mean, you can, yes, you can, it would be great if you could make massive investments in public transport, but if people don't take public transport, that's not going to solve the smog problem. And you can make a bigger capital investment like what they've done in Santiago and what they've done in other cities throughout Santiago. They converted all of the buses to natural gas, yep. which burns much cleaner. Um, it still didn't entirely solve the problem. But the other thing that you have to remember is that Mexico is also very high up. And it's in a valley. There's nowhere for that smog to go. And the only way it comes down is during the rainy season, where all that particular matter is saturated, comes down to the earth and then starts polluting the ground. There's two, uh, two more dates during the uh, year where the air becomes cleaner. And the most prominent is uh, Easter week, Semana Santa. That's when everybody goes on holiday. So half the city leaves the city, goes to the beach, and finally wears short pants, because that's what they do at the beach. But I know. Okay. Only at the beach. Only Lost at the beach. Beatles. No. Okay. Actually, I, okay. And, and, and then, so, so basically, traffic is reduced to a fraction for one week. And by the end of the week, the air is actually pretty clean. It's a very nice climate there and I hope we can do that next year so that Catherine yeah. and I can go there including Semana Santa and then enjoy the city during that week also with less traffic the city is much more enjoyable um, obviously indeed so these are good Bubba this is a great list thank you yeah um, I can still go on but no please okay okay all right Okay, uh, well, okay, uh, Mexico. Well, that's a place where German teacher, 40 plus German teachers get a Latin lover and marry, th marry them. And uh, also, uh, Roma Norte is as gentrified as Tübingen, except for the particulate matter. <laughs> so, what was that about German teachers? That 40 Th There's each a year reason or? I wanted Bobo to keep yeah. going down. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> What do you no, mean? In total uh, or per that, year? Or? That's actually what just happened to my sister. So she yeah, was in Roma Norte. Okay. Yeah, I, she has talk actually, about Roma Norte. I can talk about the okay, German teachers. Okay, first, first of all, he's talking about Roma Norte between <laughs> Chapultepec yes. and Insurgentes. Yes, bet Roma Norte between Insurgentes yes. and Chapultepec, very bougie. Yeah. Very bougie. I live on the western side ah, of Insurgentes. Okay, okay. I live in like the real Roma Norte. Of like course. that's that's where yes. the very yeah, no, and, and I mean even my apartment is a very for Mexico. It's a very middle class yeah. apartment building yeah. Yeah. that we have retirees, we have teachers, we have people that are not mm -hmm. in these palatial two thousand square meter apartments, like your sister. Um, <laughs> and, and and that's the, and here's the thing that the one way here's I'm I'm gonna give you I'm gonna let okay. you guys in on a secret. The way that you know that you're in a good neighborhood for street tacos, except for the vegan taco district, like the vegan taco district, which is just <sighs> barely in Roma Norte, it like it's it's at Cibeles, so it's like Cibeles and Insurgentes, mm -hmm. so it's technically on between Chapultepec and Insurgentes. But it's still amazing. The vegan taco district in Mexico City, awesome. You can spend a week in Mexico City, eat at a different street, different vegan street food vendor every day of the week, and you will be eating incredibly well. But the secret 
is on almost every corner inside metropolitan Mexico City, there are taqueros selling pastor, which looks a lot like donor. But instead of it coming in those big sort of machine manufactured rolls that you see that they just pop a new one in the morning, what they do in the morning is they gently layer, layer very, very, you know, millimeter layers of pork that are all marinated, marinated by hand. And they do this layer by layer by layer by layer every every morning. And that's how they create the big cone of pastor. And the hallmark to finding an, an excellent taquero is if there's pineapple on the top, fresh pineapple, amazing pineapple, because that's the way to make a proper pastor, is that you put it in the spit, and the heat rising up from the spit releases the juices from the pineapple, which come down and tenderize the meat. And the way, the way that you know that a taquero is, knows his business is that while taking orders from other customers, he will take a, tor- a tortilla pick up some of the meat that he's just sliced off very, very thinly, and without looking at the pineapple, with one flick of the wrist, flick off a very thin slice of pineapple and catch it in the tortilla with the meat and put it down where his assistant is there putting on the cilantro, putting on the onions, and in less than five seconds, he can have a plate of five tacos ready. It's so fast the way that they do it. It's just foom, 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 foom. and that's twenty five pesos. <laughs> that is only that is basically a euro. You're making me freaking hungry right now. <laughs> now that you answered the uh, question about Roma Norte, so German teachers in Mexico City. Yes, it's a thing. So it's a th- there are German teachers, and I can attest to they. They very often find Mexicans that they like and Mexicans like them. And I, I think the rate of marriages between... It's, I think it's mostly German uh, women and Mexican men. Um, it's, it's very high amongst German yeah, teachers. So we have friends. She, we have one friend. She now lives with her husband in Hamburg. And they are dying to uh, go back to Mexico City. Because <laughs> leaving Mexico City as a Chilango is not easy. Um, they love the city even though they know it's chaos. They love the chaos. And um, I think everybody here loves the chaos. We haven't even told people where we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the, ca- the communication might become chaotic, yes. yes. Um. <laughs> and, but, but it's also the men, so it's, not, it's, it's both. But uh, obviously, when there's a, there's a lot of teachers are young. Like my wife, she, she just finished uh, university and her uh, teacher training. And then she went to um, Mexico to work there at the school. Yeah, Many other colleagues, they've worked in Germany for maybe one or two years and then go to Mexico. So they're young, they're single most of the time because if you leave, if you go to Mexico and don't bring your partner with you, then you're going to be single very, very quickly. <laughs> um, But actually, this, this is a good opportunity to bring up some of the, the class structures of Mexico and okay. some of the... Inter- yes, and the okay. Salud. <laughs> and I, I, I'm trying to find the right words to say this, but there is an internalized sense of racism in all levels of 
Mexican society. Even the very, 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 very rich Mexican people are <clears throat> don't think of them. I, let me take a step back. White people in general, whether we're talking about white people in the United States, in Europe, in Canada, wherever, the, the most whiteness has nothing to do with your actual genetic ethnicity. Whiteness has more to do with whether or not you think about race as a part of your entire existence. If race colors every question, every moment, every second of your existence in some way in the society that you are a part of... You're a racist. You're <laughs> that then I think you fall off the definition of white as I understand it. I mean, obviously, race is an incredibly complicated construct, but to boil it down, it's like that. And even, even in Mexico, there's an incredible amount of colorism. There's people who are genetically as, as European, as white, as anybody around this table or anybody around here, and who are genetic. Like, if you, if you pulled their DNA, it would look incredibly similar. But they live in Mexico. Their native language is Spanish. They grew up there. And that when Mexicans go abroad, unless they can get an Italian or an Irish or a German or an American passport of some kind or sort of fool the world, there is that deep kind of internalized sense of we are a colonized people. Um, I, I've, I've said this before. Ha, yep. Are you going to stop me? Because I, you should probably stop yeah, me right we, now. I mean, we've talked about that in the past episodes. Yeah. You should listen to that. Right. To those. And so, and but as it regards go to back, schools, Come back to the to German school. teachers. Well, as it comes back to German teachers, what if you have a lot of money in Mexico and you have a family, you send your kids to the German school so that yes, they go do. learn German and that maybe they can go get a job or start doing trade in Germany. Because and there's most a lot important of reason to send your kid there is that there are other children from the same class. Right. Exactly. With, and with parents with the same amount of money. And so those children and can meet each other. And, 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 so and, is, and is, is everything is linked. Liga or what? Pardon? Is that the EFOI Liga? Ivy League? Oh. No, that, that, I'll get into universities in a, in a second. But the, and actually, most of the kids who go to these schools, they want to go to university outside of Mexico. They want to go mm -hmm. study engineering in Germany. They want to study economics or finance in New York. They want to study theater in Los Angeles or go to Stanford. That the reason, and there, there are many different schools. There's the German school system. There's two. There's the French school system. And then there's another, if you're more leftist leaning, um, there's Escuela Madrid, which is run by Spanish, uh, by subsequent generations of Spanish expatriates. And they bring in teachers from Spain You know, because Spain, <laughs> being in Europe, is higher class. And, and so most of the private institutions that are not run by the Catholic Church are somehow focused in channeling kids to go get an education outside of Mexico and hopefully come, hopefully come back. But um, so, so that's, that's why there is this sort of influx of teachers from other parts. Oh, I'm sorry, there's also the American schools, obviously. There's the American schools, the French schools, the German schools. And those are the three kind of big ones outside of Escuela Madrid But, in Mexico. Um, if, if, the, if, if the, the Mexicans, uh, is the chance of the Mexicans coming back and, and hit it, hitting it big, is that a slim chance? It really depends on the generation. That right now, uh, thanks to the... And I... I Of course, I'm, I definitely have mixed feelings about trade agreements 
and about things like that. But it is without question that NAFTA, at least inside Mexico, has been a good thing, has spawned a manufacturing sector, has gotten Mexico out of this cycle with the presidential elections of every six years leading up into an election, you spend beyond the budget and then have an economic crisis at the beginning of every presidency. That Mexico has escaped <laughs> that economic crisis, partially because of, of NAFTA, and that whereas Mexico's largest export used to be oil, now it's electronic manufactured goods and auto parts, things that create good jobs that help build cities and help build economies. Um, what, why are you looking at me? What, I don't know. Uh, you, I don't know where you're, you're giving me a look. You're giving me a look. I, I, I would have another uh, oh, one yes, on my okay. list because the biggest export thing from Mexico is Mexicans. Is what? Mexicans itself. Oh. So Mexican people leaving the country to the U.S. It it is not as bad as it was in previous generations, and even now with all of the ridiculousness, which we're not going to get into, about El Muro. <laughs> um, is it called El Muro? You know, there's there's a joke that I like to tell in Mex and Grant, Mexico City. If you're in Mexico City, and what the p newspapers will never tell you is that vast portions of this quote unquote caravan ended up finding people and friends in Mexico City and jobs and houses and a culture that is not great. It's not perfect, but is much more accepting and loving in a place where you can build and have a family and seek refuge. Mexico City is. It's a lot like what West Berlin was. It's this sort of island of refuge in the middle of a whole other world of... I, I don't know whether this is a clean podcast of or we not. Can, we, we, of, of we können nicht allen helfen, or we, we, we cannot help everybody, or we don't want to help everybody. But, which but, is but what I'm saying is that it, it, is, this, it is a magical place. Um, it's a magical place. It's the only ancient place in the Americas. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. at the time it was conquered by Cortes, Mexico City was the largest city in the world. There was no... It, it was larger than Rome. It was larger... At, at the time it was conquered. It was larger than London. It was larger than Paris. Uh, larger than Berlin Tokyo? Berlin wasn't really a... Huh? Larger than Tokyo at that time? We're, we're talking... We're not... Well... The, the Japanese didn't conquer Mexico. I'm, I'm talking about... Uh, uh, I'm trying to set up a point here, and I know you're trolling, <laughs> but... Um, no, I'm just... And, and that, no, but that, civil, <laughs> that very advanced civilization mm -hmm. was destroyed and colonized. They literally built the Catholic cathedral over the ruins and with the bricks of the temple. And you can go see this. You can go see this. El Templo Mayor... Well, they're actually walking distance from each other. They're, they're next they, door to each other because the cathedral, the ancient cathedral, you know, which is old, that that building is older than everything in the United States that is not uh, a yes. native structure. And they built and you can see the re the ruins that they were able to uncover of the temple. And it's an excellent museum. And I definitely recommend you visit it. There is no point in El Templo Mayor where you can't see the cathedral directly to the east. To the west, I'm sorry, to the west. Another point? Mm -hmm. Please. Um, <laughs> do all uh, Mexicans, uh, Mexican men or women, uh, wear mustaches? 
Well, it's what my friends told me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is there... I do, mean, do you, you ob obviously you don't. Uh, you're fully bearded, but... That's the one I would say no. Because... Can you repeat the question? Well, do all men or women, it depends on, okay. because they're women with uh, facial hair and I don't want to exclude them, but do they wear mustaches? <laughs> no, next one. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. Ah, yeah, uh, do they drink tequila all of the time? No, I would say no, no, no. <laughs> yes. The drink, no. <laughs> We are. <laughs> We're not Mexican. We're not topic of the podcast. Okay, the, the, fir the first thing you have to th the first thing you have to recognize about Mexico, it is a very large place. Yeah, trying to lump all of Mexicans together under one culture or one cultural construct mm -hmm. is like trying to lump all Europeans together. I It's know. kind of like saying that all Europeans wear lederhosen, or all Europeans love well, baguettes. Just It's that well, but but that's the thing is that we recognize the differences between French, between Germans, Italians, Spanish. We're not calling people in Great Britain a part of Europe anymore because they voted themselves out. Um, but but Mexico is the same way that you have various different regions that are very disconnected from each other that also have this added layer of colonialism on top of all of their other cultures because the Catholic Church during the Virreinato was did a lot. I mean. To contrast this to Americans, Americans just killed all of the natives. They either killed them through disease, they killed them shot, there's the March of Tears, all of that. That didn't really happen in Mexico, and, and so you have to give credit to the Catholic Church for that. They didn't just straight up kill everybody like they did in the United States. But, but there was a definite attempt to extinguish and eradicate the culture. Yes. Which, which just added kind of layer that it's just like weeds. A people's natural culture from where they come from is going to find a way to come up from the ground to seek light. So, so I just want to preface that, 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 that there are many <laughs> different regions and many different areas. And that I would say that Mexico, tequila, remember, is a subset of mezcal. And there are very deep traditions of making mezcal that are inherent to many different parts of Mexico, inside Oaxaca, inside, um, I'm spacing on the name of the state, in, in Guanajuato, in other places have very, I, I know Oaxacan, Oaxacan mezcal is the best mezcal in my opinion. Um, and so that's why, if you're going to say something about Mexico, a lot of those things tend to be accurate if you're talking about a particular region. For example, hard shell tacos, not a thing in Mexico City. You can't buy them at the store. Bolitos you can't find them. It's not a you thing. You can't. Okay. Oh, good God. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Slightly more common, but. Uh, yes, that is true because I have right, had I, a I'm saying that sometime a hard, at night like, on a the street. A hard shell taco, no, there's no, debates as to whether or not it's actually a Mexican yeah, thing. I don't or whether think it's so. A taco but we Bell got that at the Azteca Mexicana in Mannheim. Remember? There we got hard shell tacos. Uh, they were good. I mean, I'm not gonna All right, we got to get to um, Bobo's list. But, but the tequila, the, and the answer to your question is, I, I would say generally yes. Because when you meet up for, for dinner at night at the, um, at the taco place, then you have a few beers and you have your tequila, obviously. And you can Or mezcal. Add, uh, uh, mezcal. Oh, I'm talking about Mexico City. Okay, you can have mezcal. Yeah, you can. Por todo bien, mezcal. Por todo mal, igual. Uh, in the cantina especially, you 
sit down, have a few snacks and beer and tequila. And let, let's not let's not tell the white people about pulque. No. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry, I'm being racist. No. I apologize. I shouldn't do that. Um, uh, I do have two more on my list. Okay. Um, sombreros. We have ten more minutes. Okay, so sombreros. And, and we have to leave at least three do, minutes. Do they for wear sombreros all of the time? Like are, I, are I you, haven't are, seen okay. a picture no. of you with a sombrero. Boba, are you actually trolling right now? No, no. It's, this, it's th- were these actually from Kimona? No, no, they are not from Kimona. Okay, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm relieved now. Okay. Um, I asked people from the town. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> no, no sombreros. Now, well, wait. Except in the okay in the north, yeah. and that's the thing is that just like most people think that, uh, and I'm reducing down, but that people associate things that are more traditionally Bavarian with Germany, oh, outside yeah. of Germany. People traditionally associate things that are more Norteño, th- of from the north of Mexico, with what Mexican is. And there are places out in the desert where sombreros have a practical use because the sun is very, very oppressive. But when people have to, when people are doing work, they might not get back home. They might be riding out three or four hours into into their ranch or whatnot, and that they might not. They might have take a couple of days to get back. So the days are very very hot, and that those the reason those large hats exist is to cover you from the sun, because you know you might be up on your horse. That's it might be very flat. Whereas on a farm or on a ranch, you would have tree cover. Which is why farmers, you know, a farmer's hat tends to have the narrower brim. If you're out in the desert or if you're out on a plane and it's very, very flat, the sun could hit you from many, many different angles. And, and you could be riding in one direction, mm-hmm. basically from sunup to sundown. And so you need, that, you need that additional protection from the sun. And that's the, that's the tradition for the hats. And, of course, they've become a cultural construct just like Lederhosen. So you see the mariachis in Garibaldi with those gigantic ridiculous mm. hats because the tourists expect it. So the sombrero is the lederhosen of Mexico. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we could say that. I could. Okay, uh, the last uh, one is a question. Um, how long is the siesta and when does it start? Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to... Uh, mañana. All right, all right, flow, flow. Okay. I'm sorry, I don't Florian, know. Florian. 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 I, I did not... Oh, yeah, it's Florian, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Flow. You, you will. You can. I feel. Me I later. feel bad because I've so been mansplaining throughout our entire podcast. <coughs> um, to me, actually. <laughs> to you, yeah. Yeah. That's to, to all of us. Yes, to me. Mixplaining. <laughs> so I've never heard the term siesta in Mexico. First, um, because they were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that, uh, and we've mentioned this before. That office workers uh, very, very often have a mandatory two-hour break for lunch. And uh, now in Mexico City, because of the climate, it's not really necessary to, to go to sleep because it's not that hot because it's so high up. So you don't need this yesterday that I experienced that when I was traveling in Italy. There it was yeah, in August. That was stupid. Uh, so that was it was just ne- necessary to just find some shade for two hours and lie down, sleep, and that. But that's not necessary in Mexico City. But they do have the mandatory two-hour lunch break, mm-hmm. and it's mandatory. <laughs> and um, so the best thing about that uh, I've heard from a friend of mine. He said it's it's perfect to watch the uh, the European Champions League 
because that's just, you know, those two hours, and Bobo knows what I'm talking about, everybody else just doesn't care. Uh, it's those two hours you can have lunch, you can have uh, probably not beer because they go back to work, uh, and watch uh, football. And an entire and game. An, an entire game, exactly, and then go back to work. So um, that's that. Nice. Anything to add? I, I do have something to add, Please and that's do. Mexicans, even office workers, work much longer hours. Stupid long hours. Stupid long hours than, than I mean, I, I'm not totally familiar with what the custom is in Germany, but I know what the custom is Anything in New York. Anything above I, 40 hours is overtime. In the U.S. office work, it's a little different. Where, where I, I mean, even now, my office job now, my expectation is that I'm in the office between eight and nine, and the only reason I don't have a firm start time is because I also don't get to leave right at five or six o'clock. Sometimes, sometimes I might, if I have to stay later to do a thing, I stay later to do whatever that is, nine, ten o'clock. That, that, that happens very rarely. That so great, Nick. You too. Whoa. But, uh, please quit. But <laughs> no, norm, normally I'm, I'm out of, I'm, I, I open up the office and I'm the last one to leave, generally. But um, my hours are... In that sense, let's just say 8.30 to 5.30. In Mexico, sure, you, you depending on your office, you have to be there at 9. And then, yes, right around 1.30 o'clock, you're going to go to lunch. And you might... The old tradition is that you go home for lunch, that, the, that your service in the house prepares the meal and that you eat with your family and that everybody is in the house between two and four. Now, you're only going to eat from, say, two to three. And then from three to four, there are people that will take a nap. And sometimes people might not make it back to their office until five. And then they work from five until possibly nine or ten o'clock at night. I mean, definitely it's five to eight is normal that the rush hour in Mexico City, when we're talking about students and transport and everything, starts heating up around four o'clock. And it keeps going until about seven or eight at night that it does that the metro doesn't really get not empty again until about oh i'd say quarter to nine if not nine or ten o'clock um and so that yes the siesta is a thing but more hours are worked and there's more time spent in transportation and again this is a cultural this is a cultural part of the problem that uh You know, you don't see it would make much more sense to have people be on home office either before or after their siesta. But, uh, you know, working cultures and tradition, especially in ancient cultures, tend to die a little bit harder. All right. We have three minutes left. <laughs> is there anything else to add? No, you I, shouldn't talk. I, you I have, think you've we, talked should, we should go to the audience and ask the okay. audience. Is, is there anybody in the audience? One last question, question. One burning question. Anything. Uh, well, I have something one trolley, yep. but um, if so, oh, yeah. wait, wait, we have one. Oh, AMLO and what has changed since the last elections. This, How this about we do that in the next episode? Are we going to come back here? We could. We might. We might. Okay. But this is so not something we can do in three minutes. And, and also, we forgot to mention that we are at the 35C3 refreshing memories in Leipzig. We have to do the taco and, draft, please. And that we are both at... Okay. That's refreshing just, We have to mention okay. we're both at the C3PO at the post office. At the post office? And Come so visit us? We could, we, I, I will, I'd be more than happy to answer all of your questions anytime yes. at the post office. But okay, you want to do a taco draft? Let's. Not now. Not now? No. Oh, for the next episode. 
We're not going to do a taco draft in two minutes. I'm not going to be able to explain the joy of uh, shrimp taco eaten at 11 o'clock in the morning in the town of the Hotel California in two minutes. So we're going to... But in Put two minutes, I, I can say that AMLO sold the airport and he sold the president. I'm, I'm sorry. He canceled the new airport and he sold the presidential plane. I happen to like both of these things. And that I think that there's a greater sense of hope in the Well, there's two things. There's hope among a lot of people, but there's also a lot of fear among the people who have built their entire lives and organizations around the corruption of the PRI. So it's a can we bag. end on a happy note? So we're sure. here, uh, okay. you visit us, you uh, ask us questions. I, we I can arrived discuss. right at four o'clock. Who was, you she, did, she, she called me, she, she no, called no, me in the deck and was like, I'm yeah, 45 seconds German. away. He's, he's too German. <laughs> hey, I, I, gave, I told you I was 45 seconds away and 45 seconds later I showed up. I run the post office at a German hacker convention. <laughs> yeah, neither well. rain nor snow, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks everybody for coming here. We appreciate it, truly. And see you next time. See Thank you. you. See you. Thank you, Bobo. Bye. Thank Bye -bye. you, Tesselbrum. <laughs> <laughs>